Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello. Elura. Matt. You're back. I'm back. It's what? time for Health Careless. I must have won a bet to get you back in the studio. You've been remote for a while. I have been remote for a while, but here I am in the flesh, and I have even brought a guest with me. A guest? A guest, yes. Where is he? Wait, this is the radio. I can see him, but the listeners don't know where he is. I have brought Damon L. Jacobs, who you may remember back from our Vaxxon days. He's that guy from Google. No, wrong. the wrong Damon. Right. He's he's the guy from the bathtub. That's right. Damon is a licensed family therapist. He is an HIV activist and prep advocate, and he's the host of Tub Talks on YouTube. And listeners, if you've never seen Tub Talks, seriously, go check them out. It's a simple Google. It's a simple Google. Damon! Laura! Matt! Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. And we have some stories today that we desperately need your energy and input on. Okay. Our first story yes. is about monkeypox. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a little update on what's happening in monkeypox land. And as we started to prepare for that, we heard that you had quite the monkeypox vaccine story. Disaster. Tell us. Public health disaster. Okay. Tell. So we knew back in May that gay and bisexual sexually active sluts like me, and slut is a use I term, it's a term I use affectionately. You can say that. I can't say that. I can that. say it. You can say it. I don't care. Yeah. Um, it's a term that we use affectionately for those of us that are sexually empowered and have sexual agency over our lives and our bodies and our sex lives. So we knew back in May that the sluts of New York City were in trouble mm-hmm. because we started hearing about monkeypox infections and because of some very brave individuals who shared their stories on social media, we knew early on that this was not something you wanted to get. The lesions were painful. Those who had it inside their ass described it like feeling glass shards. Yeah, we talked about their that. Ass. That it sounded like really, I know it's not all that common, but it does sound pretty freaking awful. It is awful. It. You don't want to get it and you definitely don't want to get it in your ass. So I don't really I, want to get anything in my ass. I definitely. <laughs> so I'm just well, going to put that out there. There are certain things I do want in my ass, but that's not but one no of them. Le- no. no lesions of any kind. No way. Nothing no. painful. First, I talked to my provider about whether I needed, because I see nurses, not doctors. We could talk about that. Mm. Whether I needed this vaccine because I did have protection from a vaccine that I received as a child. Oh. Um, I did get the smallpox vaccine in 1971. So it was a gray area. Am I right. covered by that or not? At first they thought yes. But as more and more cases were coming up in New York City and more and more people over the age of 50 were getting diagnosed with monkeypox, I realized, oh, no, I need to do this. I need to be proactive about this. But how? It didn't make sense. Smallpox, monkeypox is not new. We have effective vaccines that prevent it. But where are the vaccines? That was the problem. We were talking about this. Yeah. Matt and I talked about this on the show a few episodes back that 
apparently we've had the vaccine has existed for a long time, but it's in pretty short supply. And we were like, well, where is it? Is it just Denmark. like on the show? It's, it's in Denmark. It was in some fucking warehouse in Denmark. Right. I think one small stockpile. Right. It was yeah. like just a just a few vials of it. Right. No, no there were like thirty six thousand vials, but it was just a matter of getting clearance to bring them to the U.S. That was so slow and piecemeal over the summer that the New York City Department of Health was getting very few doses that they could give out all at the same time. Once they got them, they were distributing them by Twitter. What they would do is go on Twitter and say, oh, hey, at 6 p.m. tomorrow, we're going to distribute 10,000 or 1,500 more of these doses. So you had to have a Twitter connection. Right. And you had to have a really, really fast Wi-Fi connection. Six o'clock Friday night, if you're able to sit there on a laptop and have speedy Wi-Fi, those appointments were gone in minutes. Like like Lizzo tickets. Yeah, exactly. It is the Lizzo ticket of vaccines. But I, I remember hearing about this. I had friends who were like trying to get the vaccine, then they couldn't. There wasn't enough. It was like right back to the the way we were with the COVID vaccine. It was in, ridiculous. In, it was the same the same database, that same right. system that New York City was doing where you have to rush in, you have to work the system. Then once you picked an appointment, you had to fill in all the information, whether you were registered in the system or not. You had oh. to go to another page to enter in all your data, all oh your God. personal information. It was like another username, password, username, password. And by address. the time you entered all that in, the appointment was gone. Yes. So basically the way that played out was that only people with really, really fast Wi-Fi and very like autocorrect on their laptop yeah. were able to get appointments. I remember that that's actually how I got the COVID vaccine appointment right. initially, that it was like I had to autofill it. System. But yeah. I had to autofill it. It was like because right. I knew how to autofill my yeah. information in the website. So, OK, so did you get an appointment? So ultimately, I was one of those people with a Wi-Fi connection and I got in and I got out and I was in between appointments in my office. So I got it really, really quickly and I wrote it down. I showed up at the Harlem Clinic the day of my appointment or the day I thought was my appointment. Oh, no. And it was wrong. No, no. I wrote down because I was such in a hurry and I was such (gasps) in a tizzy. Everything was so fast. I wrote down the wrong day. I came one day later, 24 hours later. Ah, And they said, said, no vaccine for you. That is like the worst feeling. Have, uh, that it was happened, horrible. That happened to me one time um, with concert tickets in high school, Matt. Where, same thing as monkeypox. Same thing as monkeypox, where mm-hmm. we we looked at the tickets and they were for the day before. Yeah. And I'll never forget it's that horrible. like heart attack feeling. And I'm sure it's like the same thing, right? Like it was oh horrible. My- Wait, so, were you going to see Tiffany Scorpion or Guns N' Roses? I was going to see Billy Joel, Don ah. ah. Henley, and Sting. Oh my God! I know it was. Oh, so I would sa- still be heartbroken about missing no, that. No, I <laughs> yeah. don't. I did not miss it. Oh. Let's not be ridiculous, Damon. Okay. No, because what I did was I cried. I, I was what fourteen, mm-hmm. and my dad fixed it, and he took me to Madison Square Garden, and we oh. scalped tickets, and it was like a great memory. It was my first concert that I ever went to. You well, couldn't I'm, scalp a vaccine I'm somewhere. I'm fifty-one years old, and I did cry, and they still <laughs> wouldn't give me one at the really? Harlem Clinic. Oh my gosh! So wait, so what happens? What'd so you do? there was a line out the door. It was all white people. And ultimately now, well, they wouldn't give me a vaccine. I couldn't get one. Okay. I was going to be in Canada anyway for a conference for the International AIDS Society conference in July. And in Canada, they're literally giving them out on the street. Why? They they didn't have the problem they with Denmark? They had no supply and... chain issues. They had no really? problem distributing them. They came to the conference and said, if you want to get your monkeypox shot, we will give it to you. They invited us to come. They literally gave them out on Catherine Street in Montreal. So they were, they had bad. really, I, my understanding was that monkeypox vaccines were in short supply the world over. Nope. Not so in Canada. Nope. Not so. You know, so. the thing about Canada. Your tax dollars at work right here in the U.S. You know, and, and it was fine. You didn't need like insurance that was, nope. but no, you could just like no, show I up. No, I walked and- in. 
I had ID. It was no money. It was no insurance. Now they asked me a lot of questions in French that I didn't know. I just said, we, oui, we, we, I just said, we, 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 you know, Le like, monkeypox. are you a slut? Yes. Do you need monkeypox? Yes. So I mean, that's, that's basically eventually a shot got in my arm and I was protected. And then still, when I came back to New York, it took a very, very long time to get the next dose. But at least oh, I had one because it required dose. a booster, right? It, it is expected. That, that again, it. we're still learning a lot. Sure. I think one dose is is harm reduction. It's not harm elimination, but mm -hmm. one dose is harm reduction. But once we started to get the data in New York City, overwhelmingly, the people who got vaccines over the summer were white gay men. So, and, is, and yeah, we, we talked about this before in the show. And is that because that's who was asking for the vaccine or is that no. because that's who was prioritized? That's who was prioritized in the system of Twitter and Wi-Fi. So it was so, like a de facto yeah. uh, prioritization, not a de jour yeah. prioritization. Because right. there were plenty of people who wanted it, plenty of people of color who wanted it, plenty of people who tried to get it and couldn't work the system or couldn't do it fast enough sure. to get one of those few appointments that that's became real. available on Fridays at six o'clock. It feels like it was like a Doritos campaign just targeting teenagers. Like they knew exactly who they wanted to hit so they could sell the Doritos. What, right. They excluded zip codes. They excluded old people. They got rid of the Medicare folks because they just want to sell Doritos to teenagers and you were the teenager. I mean, do, do you think well, it apples was, to apples? It was it in, <laughs> I mean, I don't know that it was intentional, that they were intentionally intentional. trying to leave out. No, it feels intentional. It felt after we just saw the same thing play out last year with COVID, the same exact vaccine access issues with the rollout of COVID vaccines in New York City, the same exact system, where, again, it was overwhelmingly led to white people getting vaccines before people of color. It seems like we could have learned lessons from that, but we didn't. And I don't think New York City has. And I don't think we're any better situated now for the next time we have to deal with this. Really? I agree with him. So, yeah, I mean, that that sounds unfortunately true. H how are we doing with the monkeypox vaccine supply here in New York City these days? So now, as we're having this conversation in the fall, it is definitely better. And one of the reasons it's better is because they stopped giving the shot without any data or evidence or science. They started to break up one shot into five oh, parts. Oh, yes. We talked about that too. They found a new yeah. way to, to it was yeah. like the intradermal. And yeah. intradermal yeah, and which I have. So eventually I could do that. And I got a big pink spot from like two months ago. On the radio, we confirm. Yes. Yeah, we can. Yes, I can confirm. So now because they extended that supply by breaking those shots down, there have more and more access. And now it's very easy in New York City through one of the New York City Department of Health or even through a lot of agencies like GMHC uh, for people to be able to walk in, make an appointment and get their dose very, very quickly. OK, that's but that good took to know. a while. Sure. Sure. Right, question about this. So with COVID, there was a lot of hesitancies mm -hmm. because Bill Gates was chipping you. Was that the same here or was this no. like so obviously more scary and self-evident and immediate that everyone's like, give me the shot? It was the latter. There was not hesitancy as far as I knew within the community because we all knew people who had it. Well, you're talking about within the gay community. Within the gay community, right. within the queer community. Everybody was one degree of separation from someone who had been suffering badly with monkeypox. Someone Everyone, who had is, had it. Is that in, right? Everyone was, was pretty closely related oh yeah. to someone who knew someone who was suffering? Most people I know either had it or knew someone who had it. Really? It was, yeah. I mean, we're, we're a big queer slut community, but we're, we're <laughs> also very, it's small, not necessarily, we're very small family. Too. I understand. Not just the LGBT community, but specifically the slutty gay male community. Well, that's who was being afflicted with monkeypox. When we're talking yeah. about monkeypox, we're talking about Multiple men partners who are having active. sex with a lot of other men. Right. That was who was getting it. That that's was, who was in a, a lot of pain. And are those the people that, that in your like anecdotal experience ended up getting the vaccine? 
because they were highly eventually, motivated to get it. Eventually, eventually, yeah, yeah. So, so there was not hesitancy because a monkeypox is not some kind of new novel virus. Right. It has been with us before. We've had this before. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We already have vaccines. We already have science. We already have a way to prevent this. It wasn't the vaccine hesitancy. It was the access that made the difference in this case. Was there a fair comparison to this being the similar behavior as STDs? Well, the you mean the, how people get monkeypox? Yeah, yeah, people, I mean, there's been debate about this, but ultimately, I think 99% of the cases diagnosed are believed to be through sexual contact. 99% right. of the yeah, cases? Yeah, something about oh, like the right? high 90s. No, I asked because like, you know, I, we were talking about like the immediate corollaries were, oh, they should know better. And that, that's not the way to think about this. Right. I mean, that's a moral position. Yeah. People, that's not a medical position. That's a moral position. Right. And and for me and my sexual health and, and rights, we tend to prioritize medicine over morality. Mm-hmm. We prioritize the data over the dogma, the science over the stigma, because that's the only way we can effectively fight to get cures out there and vaccines that out there. That was very poetic. I was very, Thank you. I, I, I appreciate the alliteration. It Thank really, you. it drives those points home. Thank you. Can you, you need a t-shirt yeah. that says that. <laughs> Damon uh, is wearing a fantastic t-shirt right now. <laughs> uh, we'll post a picture later so sure. you, our listeners can see. So Damon, you're very involved with the HIV community, mm-hmm. um, both professionally and kind of more on an advocate, personal kind of level. Mm-hmm. What's, what is the HIV community uh, saying about monkeypox? What are, what are the concerns within that community about monkeypox? Are, is there any Anything special with regard to the HIV community? We know now that people who are living with HIV are more likely to get severe symptoms if they do get monkeypox. Some people get monkeypox and don't get severe symptoms. What we're seeing now more and more is that if someone's living with HIV, they are likely to get more severe symptoms. So that is a problem. Here's the good thing, though. I mean, not the good thing, but the advantage is that in the sexual active and in the health community, we already have a template for dealing with this stuff, with harm reduction. We've had to do this for 40 years with HIV and AIDS, and we had to do it recently with COVID. So we already have a network. We already have a system of ways to have people be able to reduce risk related to sexual pleasure. Right. And that came in really handy during this latest monkeypox thing. Right. I, mean, I we, think that's yeah. why the rates came down so fast. Right. I mean, we saw that even, I remember during COVID even, that I remember when the New York City Health Department put out those like safe sex guidelines or like less risky sex yeah, guidelines. Harm reduction. And they were really fantastic. And it's kind of like, okay, we're we're finally getting to a part where we know that that is an essential part of public health, right. to make sure to talk to people about sex, to talk to people about how they're having sex, how they can do it more right. safely, and that it really is not something to just kind of like put under the rug, but rather something to really be vocal and verbal about so that, you know, especially in anything that's transmitted via sex, but just like sex is part of life. But the alternative is to shame people, to should people, right, which to is judge never good. people. Mm-hmm. From a public health standpoint, when has that ever been effective in terms right. of bringing down rates of any bacteria of or of virus? Any, of literally ever. anything. Like of, right. it's not, and yet so yeah. many people, that is still their go-to. That's right. Is to say, you dirty sluts, you shouldn't be having sex with each other in the first place. So right. it's your fault if you get monkeypox. It's your fault right. if you get syphilis or chlamydia or right. HIV. It's like, that's the morality that informs pu- it's so many facets of Right. public health. Speaking of people that are very anti-gay behavior, our next story coming right up. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. 
Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back. Okay. We are? We are. We're back. Hi there. Hi. And, uh, Damon's still here. He hasn't fled for the hills. I was very excited to have Damon on the show today. And not just because he's super fun, but also because I'm super annoyed about this story. And I feel like happy and bouncy as you are, Damon, you're going to share my rage. I know you are. Wait, can I guess what state we're going to talk about? There's a one or two. It's either Florida or Texas. Definitely Texas. Okay. Um, but I can't really say it's Texas's fault because really this is about a private company and a particular federal judge. And... Um, it just, it really burns my ass, the story. It really does. So for anybody who doesn't know, a few weeks ago, there was a ruling that came down out of a district court in Texas where federal judge Reed O'Connor, who is a George W. Bush appointee, ruled that a Christian company, this is a private company that affiliates as a Christian company, basically wants to skip out of the mandate in the Affordable Care Act that required it to fund PrEP. Now, Damon, you're the expert. Can you just remind us what PrEP is? Sure. So PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. It's a daily pill someone who's HIV negative can take to reduce the chances of getting HIV by nearly 100%. And it's for, my understanding, it's for gay people and straight people, men and Anybody, women. Anybody, any gender, through any which way they might get HIV. And for people who use IV drugs as well. It's HIV prevention. Which is like, again, we talked about this when we, eons ago when we had Damon on last time. For, for people, especially like Matt and me, who grew up as kids when the HIV epidemic was just beginning and we were scared to death of getting AIDS, the idea that there could be a pill that would essentially stop you from getting it is huge. Yet, um, hardly anybody I know even knows about this other than the gay community. Right. The straight community, like, really doesn't know about this. It's, you know, I, I, I have no, like, words for that. It, it's such a huge medical advance. Everyone should be talking about this. Well, and I th do think it's largely because of the morality that we haven't been talking about it. I started using it July 19th, 2011. The FDA approved it on July 16th, 2012. So it has been with us now for over a long 10 time. years. Yeah. Any side effects or anything? Or is it just like Yeah, a I have really amazing sex. <laughs> That's a great and side I, effect. I, and I grew up as a child of the 80s, yeah. terrified of it, dying of AIDS. Yeah. And for the very first time in my adult life, I get to enjoy the kind of sex and intimacy and fun that I want to have. 
which I'm glad I get to do before I die. It's it's like yeah. a vaccine, but it's a pill. Like Gardasil. You so, just don't get cervical but it's, cancer. I think it's, ev- I think it's even more effective. Than, more than effective vaccines. than most vaccines. Right, because it's yeah. not something that produces an immune response in quite the same. It's not the same right. type of technology. And um, it, my understanding is it's like 99 point something percent effective. Nearly very, 100. Very, yeah, yeah, very, very effective. So never get HIV, never get AIDS. Pretty much. That's incredible. I mean, it's incredible. Pretty close. As right. close as you're going to get in medicine. Wow. Yeah. Now, also, so you would think that something like that would be like the ultimate no brainer. Right. That everyone would want it, would want to get it out there, would want to fund it. And yet, not the case. So you have this company in Texas that said, we don't want to fund it because we think that funding this type of medication is encouraging homosexual behavior and we don't like the gays. That's the Gardasil conversation too. We don't want to give our young daughters and our young sons an HPV vaccine because it's going to make them promiscuous. Well, it's the same argument. It really is the same thing. Against teenagers having access to birth control pills and condoms. It's going to make them have sex and that's bad. Right. So it's the same argument over and over again. And yes, it is enraging and it is frustrating to see this rollback in Texas Mm -hmm. because we know that the rollback in Texas is just the beginning of rollbacks in other states. It, It is. That's right. Because because this issue, and, and I'll just speak to it from a legal standpoint for a minute. Oh, you're um, a lawyer, right? I, I am, just occasionally. You know, the, the judge basically said that forcing this private company to fund PrEP drugs is a substantial burden on their religious exercise. So the whole, and we've seen this before. This was what the Hobby Lobby case was about, which is essentially you have- The gay pri- cake bakery things too? Uh, that's no. a little bit different, actually, because that was more of a First Amendment issue. Okay. But this is like a private person or a private company saying that because they don't like something, that making them have to follow the law about that thing is a burden on religious freedom. And the thing is, I can tell you as an as an attorney, you know, I've studied religious freedom for years. This is a very sort of tangential view of what religious freedom means. It's very arm's length. In the old days, the old days being even when Justice Scalia was on the Supreme Court, religious freedom meant direct exercise of your religion, your religious services, your religious ceremonies, things like that. But you weren't like, I don't like what that guy's doing and he offends my religion, so therefore I don't have to follow the law. That was like way too kind of attenuated to count. But we have a different Supreme Court now. We have a Supreme Court that thinks religion is under attack. So these type of cases, we're seeing them more and more where you have a private employer who wants to essentially skip out on federal law because they just don't like what it makes them do. I think it's disastrous. Damon, what do you think about this case? What are your thoughts about? Well, unfortunately, as you mentioned, there is already a precedent for this kind of action. Hobby Lobby took this kind of action against birth control about 10 years ago, and they won their case in the Supreme Court saying, we don't want to have to pay for birth control. And the Supreme Court ruled in favor of their ability not to. So I can't say this wasn't planned. I can't say I'm surprised by this. Right. It's not surprising. If anything, I'm surprised it took this long because PrEP hasn't really been on the radar for 10 years. True. And the fact that it's now on the radar so much that they're calling this kind of attention to it Mm -hmm. was kind of inevitable when we're dealing with religion in this country. And I don't expect people to do the right thing because they want to do something good or they want anyone to be happy. What I do think we're going to see is that if nothing else from a fiscal standpoint, it's stupid. Because if you deny people the access to HIV prevention medication, 
then it is quite likely you are going to be working with the same people that are going to need HIV treatment and access to drugs for the rest of their lives. And that's that's really the heart of the issue, isn't it, right? Even if you could get past how not compassionate it is Mm -hmm. to want to prevent a fatal disease, it, it doesn't make any fiscal sense whatsoever. Why would you ever want to not cover preventative medicine of any kind knowing that you will, of course, have to then cover the treatment for that same disease. It just, it, it, it's illogical to the point of absolute lunacy. It's short-sighted, and I do think some of this is grandstanding, but we're seeing this in so many areas of this country in terms of rollback, in terms of sexual health, public health, reproductive rights. This is where they are going with this. Yep. And so it is a larger fight. People might be listening to this thinking, I don't really care about those homosexuals having sex or not. But it's not about that. This is about this greater fight that we're in in this country to maintain the rights to medical services, safe and legal medical services that can save lives. What's going to happen with this? Well, rich people in Texas are still going to get PrEP. It's still really easy to get PrEP. If you have money, if you have insurance, it's going to be really easy. Who's going to get screwed out of this the most? Who's going to lose out on this the most? Well, the same group of people that are going to lose out on Roe versus Wade being rolled back. Right, the people without it's often money, people without, without money, without resources, resources mm-hmm. without the ability to 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 have insurance, to access copay programs. I mean, there's a lot of assistance out there for people who want to use prep. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know about that or you're not connected to that, you're not going to use it and sometimes deal with those consequences. That's right. Would these companies, you think, act the same if this were the 1990s and AIDS was uh, just a full blown epidemic? I mean. That's a great question, and I'm thinking they probably would do the same thing if we had a way to prevent HIV through a pill back in the 1990s. When I think bigotry always I mean, is yeah. bigotry always gets votes. I, I mean, I think this would have the served problem. them well because they want us to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't like homosexuals. They yeah. think we're sinners. Yeah. And again, this is why I'm saying this isn't really about homosexuals and sin. This is about the greater issue of all these rights being scaled back by a minority of people who prioritize morality over medicine. Stigma over science, right? Dogma over data. There it is again. There, there it is, is again. I love it. Just this morality. Their, their bullshit. emotions over the evidence. That's right. Yeah, the we're, morality bullshit. We're gonna come Same back. Thing. We're gonna come back with a third story in a little bit, talking more about politics and grandstanding and the Affordable Care Act. And now for these messages, not from Hobby Lobby or Chick Fil A. <laughs> Fucking Hobby. Lobby. We'll be right back. We're back, and my personal favorite topic: Obamacare. Yes. Obamacare. Listen to this. I love this story. As a journalist, I... Oh, you're uh, a journalist now. Well, you know, I'm like a lawyer, journalist, kind of half and half kind of situation going on. And um, I've noticed that I haven't had as many Obamacare lawsuit stories to write about lately. It turns out the Republicans don't really give a shit about it anymore. Did you guys, either of you guys read... President Obama's book that came out right after he left office. No, it, it's very um, complicated. It's it's like a little dry. It's very complicated. That's not the stories of my father book. No, no, no. It's um, a promised land. But it was okay. it is essentially like the history of legislation during his presidency. So I was wrapped. I thought it was great. But a lot of it talked about the Affordable Care Act and how much of that piece of legislation really was not Democratic partisan legislation. Much of it really was something that Republicans agreed on before, that they agreed upon during the process, but then just couldn't vote for it because of politics and grandstanding and bullshit. Well, Massachusetts and Mitt Romney did it right the first time, and there was no reason why they couldn't replicate it, and they just made us think about it for politics. Right. That's exactly right. And that was really the underlying message of of that portion of the book. But what has been happening, and there was just a story in NBC News that 
None of the Republican Senate nominees that are running in the battleground states right now have even said anything about continuing to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. Remember, that was like a huge deal over the like recently in really recent well, memory. Right before McCain died, he voted down the one and that when we were done with it. But I'm done. talking about as recently as, you know, Trump ran on the promise to dismantle it. All the Republicans for a while were like, and we hate Obamacare and let's get rid of it. Now they're like, oh, you know what? Uh, never mind. It's like not a good talking point anymore. But I think we have to be careful because we thought the same thing about Roe versus Wade right. for decades. We thought, all right, that's safe. But it was always a talking point. Mm. Even though it, we all felt it was safe, abortion was always a talking point. And I can go on a tangent about I never understood why it was a presidential or national election talking point when really it's a state issue. But we have Republican candidates who have actually come out and said ah, it's not really on the table. John Cornyn, he's a Republican in Texas. He's responsible for lots of bad shit in Texas. But he said ah, nah, we're not really going to deal with the Affordable Care Act anymore. Rick Scott said the same thing in Florida. There's Susan Collins. She was quoted in The Washington Post saying there are improvements that can be made to the Affordable Care Act, but I don't really see Congress repealing it. What I'm seeing is that it seems to mirror what people ha- said at least before the Dobbs case, about gay marriage, where they were like, eh, it was a hot political topic. And now, like, eh, it's not really going to change, so we're not really going to use it as a talking point. But I feel like settled law doesn't matter anymore. Well, that that is a good point. But I just think that's interesting about the Affordable Care Act, that it's kind of like off the list of the good talking points. It's interesting because that's happening at the same time, again, that reproductive rights are being scaled back. And now they're trying to take away PrEP. And that they right. seem to be taking away more and more of our medical rights and sexual agency while protecting the Affordable Care Act. I, so I, I'm not totally sure I, I follow any of that logic. I mean, I think what's going on is that someone and whether it's like a consultant, I always think that the someone behind everything is like the Marley Matlin cal- character from West Wing. Oh, like God. there's like a political consultant <laughs> just telling them what to do. Right? Somebody realized like, hey, even your most conservative voters like a protection against insurance that disallows pre-existing conditions, mm-hmm. right? So, and and most people don't have the attention span to really sort through all of the different parts of the Affordable Care Act. It's complicated legislation. So they're like, it better to not even use that as a talking point. We'll use something else as a talking point. Well, I wonder if there is a correlation between that and COVID with millions of Americans having been affected, often needing health care or losing people to COVID and being able to access... Free and safe vaccines. Yeah. Are, are people's minds coming around this idea that like ACA is actually a, a good thing? Right, right. And I mean, and think about how involved we were with kind of the, the triangle of your own personal health, public health, the, you know, and COVID and how those things came together and how our all of us have been transformed in some way about our understanding of public health. Well, I spent the 20 pandemic. years of my career as an adolescent pediatric young adult cancer advocate. And this was pre-ACA. We spent a decade getting that to work after Obama was elected. And as imperfect as it was, it did three really important things that helped millions of people. Insurance increased to 26. Which was huge for college students the country over, right? It reduced the costs of certain benefits from insurers at the state and federal level. And number three, the most important fucking thing of all, pre-existing conditions. And if you're 18 and you had cancer at three and you have no medical records, but you're kind of late effect fucked up, you can no longer be judged by an insurance company, private or through a covered benefit of your employer, that you're going to get $4,000 a month 
because you're fucked up from cancer 20 years before. Right. That was huge. Yeah. And it's still the law of the land. They didn't get rid of it. I don't think they'll ever get rid of it. They're going to get rid of other parts right. if they really want to unsettle the law. But it seems like sort of enough people have agreed that that's a good thing, that we're no longer putting that on the chopping block as kind of a go-to Republican talking point. Right. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. All right. Policy works on occasion. On occasion. I I, I'm, I just don't trust them. I'm skeptical. I, I, I don't trust it. I think skeptical is good. Yeah. I, I definitely think skeptical is good. We should never rest on, oh, well, nobody's talking about it, so nothing will happen. But I think that it's encouraging that it is no longer kind of a standard top 10 wish list for every candidate running for office. Right. You know? Um, right, it's like a podium banging argument. Right. Like they've got other things to right. worry about. And and I, I think that that's sort of progress. And I think it's a good thing. We'll see what I think you're right, though. We should stay skeptical and we should stay. Uh, what's the word? Vigilant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should stay. Vigilant. So what are they taking next? <laughs> yeah, really? God only knows. <laughs> yeah. God, it, well, no, marriage equality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't nah, marriage equality is, down, I think, down the list, but it's going to be. I'm it, not it's a problem, sure about that. But it, I think that marriage equality is going to come after. It's going to be all of this kind of employer bullshit, like, you know, you can discriminate against this person and not that person, and employers don't have to follow federal law. It's going to be a lot of that stuff. Um, That's what we're already seeing. A lot of things like, you can't make me do that because it hurts my religion. All right, before we go, please explain to me the difference between the gay bakery cake shit and that's First Amendment versus morality and religious freedom. Yeah, that's going to be a whole other show. All right, let's wrap up with some headlines. Yeah, so some headlines not to miss. Okay, I love this one. Did you know that your dog can smell if you're stressed out? I knew that. Yeah. Dogs can smell cancer. Dogs can smell everything. Apparently, they did They did this great study. Go check out the study on NBC.com. Great story about some uh, testing done with dogs and stress. Another thing, remember, we, we've been talking for the last few weeks about massive nursing strikes across the U.S. Turns out it's not just here. There's record numbers of nurses quitting in England. So the BBC was... Nice enough to let us know about that. So it's not just here, which is kind of interesting. We sort of blame so much on the American healthcare system and American law, stuff like that. But it seems like it's happening in other places too. NHS isn't like a, a, a you know a bouquet of roses either. Healthcare is difficult everywhere, except essentially maybe in Canada. <laughs> I don't know. What's happening? You get a vaccine. You get get a vaccine. vaccine. I was very surprised that a friend of mine who's a nurse in Vancouver described to me being pelted with eggs on his way into work during the COVID lockdowns in 2020. I thought of Canada as some kind of enlightened place where these issues and medicine and science were considered more reality. And uh, apparently the, the, the same rage against healthcare workers that nurses have seen here applies up there as well. So I'm not sure Canada is this utopia place that that mm. we think. That's but in many ways, I mean, boy, sure nice to get a, a vaccine uh, for monkeypox. And they have Catholic great Street. poutine. That's they it. They do. Um, and they have a great rubber ducky store. So I've you know, been in to Montreal. the rubber ducky store. Yeah, it's so great. a lot of them are in my tub. Which city? In Montreal. In Montreal. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, last headline not to be missed is um, the Supreme Court refused to hear a challenge to the Biden vaccine mandate in healthcare facilities that are funded by the federal government. So it was another vaccine mandate story, another kind of we don't want to do that. We don't want to we don't want to get vaccinated. The Supreme Court was like, we're not hearing it. We're not dealing with it. Pound sand. So that's good. 
And hello, Katanji Brown-Jackson. Yeah, Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson had her second day of oral arguments today on Tuesday, the day we're taping. And let me tell you, whether or not you know anything about the Supreme Court, whether you know anything about the cases being argued, go on to C-SPAN, go listen to some of the Supreme Court's arguments, because if nothing else, you will be dazzled. She's a great speaker, and she's she's just so prepared. And it, it's just a nice thing to see. And it's it's really not even about partisanship or anything. It's about this woman was chosen to be in the Supreme Court and we should feel good about the choice because you don't even have to know about law to listen to somebody and be like, well, this person knows what they're talking about. Well, she's got Mayor Pete vibes. Yeah. He just knows the yes, right answer yes, all the time. Yes. And, and really, um, the court is dealing with a really important voting rights case today. Unfortunately, good of a job as the three liberal justices are doing, it's probably not going to make a difference. But there's some important stuff there up at that high bench right now. So we should be paying attention. Well, I think the Supreme Court has a lower approval rating than monkeypox. So... To be fair, most of the people in this country don't even know who's on the Supreme Court or what they're doing at all. Or what so, it is. Right. Or what it, they that think. That whole three branches thing. Right. They think Judge Judy's on the Supreme Court. So, <laughs> you know, who I love. Who I love Judge Judy. but and, and she'd probably do better than a few members of the court. Mm-hmm. That's another story for another time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, Damon, thank you so much thank for joining us today. Can you remind our listeners where they can find you? Yes. So my Tub Talks interview is at TubTalksWithDamon.com tubtalkswithdamon.com. There's a whole season right now, 70 episodes, where we talk about serious conversations in a silly situation, sexual health, HIV prep, monkeypox, as well as other issues about doing your taxes and video gaming. Which all in a bathtub. All in the, I'm not, I'll make it in a bathtub. I love it. Do your morals medicine thing one more time. <laughs> we prioritize medicine over morality, data over dogma, science over stigma, evidence over emotions. Love it. And this concludes our broadcast day. Thank you so much for joining us. Elora, I love you. I'll see you next time. Love you, Matt. See you soon. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary and the Health Careless segment is an Offscript Health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary, Elora Nanos, and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Sarah Rosa Davies. It's mixed and edited by Sarah Rosa Davies and Kyle Moore. Shout out to Brianna Seely for added support. And special thanks to our segment co-host, Elora Nanos. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.